Yo guys, I hope you're all good. Duncan Shaw here. I'm currently parked up at my local trail center. I'm about to go for a ride on my bike, but before I do, I wanted to quickly introduce to you a brand new podcast that I've just launched. It's called The Drop-In Podcast. And on The Drop-In Podcast, we are gonna try and speak to some of the world's most exciting athletes um, and industry professionals in the mountain bike and cycling world, but also the action and adventure sports world as a whole. Basically, if someone's got an interesting story and an interesting message, I want to speak to them and I want to share it with you guys too. On the first ever episode, we are delighted to be joined by a good friend of mine, Mr. Greg Williamson. For those of you who don't know, Greg is one of the world's leading downhill World Cup racers um, and he just so happens to be from my hometown of Inverness in the north of Scotland. So massive thanks to Greg for getting involved. Um, a big good luck to him in the upcoming UCI World Championships in Leo Gang next week. Um, but yeah, thanks so much to you guys for tuning in, whether that be on YouTube or your chosen podcast platform. I really appreciate you guys tuning into the first ever episode. So without much further ado, please welcome to episode number one of the Drop-In Podcast, Mr. Greg Williamson. So welcome to the first ever episode of the Drop-In Podcast. We are joined today by a good friend of mine who just so happens to be one of the top UCI World Cup downhill racers around these days. So yeah, welcome Greg. Cheers Thank for coming along. Come yeah. along. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah, cheers. Um, I've got a bit of a confession to make. I've been thinking about this podcast for quite a few months and whilst I only told you about, told you about it a few weeks ago, I did kind of always have you in mind as like one of the first guests. Yeah, and it's, it's crossed my mind too as well. Like I've definitely got questions like I want to ask like you guys ah, and, cool. and also like so many other mountain bikers. It's like, it's good to chat about and I love listening to podcasts. Yeah, so, so um, just to give you guys a bit of a context, we're here in the foot of the Cairngorms, which is 10 miles away from where myself and Greg are from, the old city and town of Inverness. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess to kick things off, give you uh, to give the sort of listeners a little bit of an idea of who you are and what you do. Yeah, uh, well, as you said there, I grew up in Inverness, uh, just outside on the Bonnie Black Isle. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just um, from day one, really, I've always been into kind of action sports and my dad did a bit of jet ski racing and paragliding and all oh, sorts yeah, of cool. stuff so he kind of uh, triggered it there my mum was super keen as well to get me into sport like she always took me and tried piano drums like well no that's <laughs> in, not in the sport <laughs> <Piano>. <laughs> starting <laughs> starting with the <laughs> yeah <laughs> The old, really start, yeah, the old sport of piano. Yeah, the old sport. Didn't really start that well, but she got me into absolutely everything. Yeah, that's cool. uh, Just to see if like I like Jackie it. Williamson. He's a bit, yeah. of a, yeah. bit of a local celebrity in the Highlands. Absolutely. The number one quiche maker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but she uh, she got me into trying skiing, snowboarding, and absolutely everything under the sun just to see if I liked it and yeah. mountain biking was the only one that really stuck so yeah, cool. she actually took me to my first race in Fort William oh, uh, after school it was a after school club race was that uh, a cross country race or cross country oh, cool. and then uh, it developed to then joining a local mountain bike club at Lurney a uh, guy across the road uh, him and his daughter actually rode quite a lot and they joined them on weekends and then started developing into racing the SXC cross country series, oh, Scottish uh, cross country series. And then, uh, built into then, I just loved hanging out at like the BMX track in Inverness yeah, yeah. and 
doing jumps uh, where there was people like Kenta, uh, you might know from Inverness as well. And yeah, then Kenta Gallagher. Kenta Gallagher. Cross-country yeah. racer come downhill. Eliminator, then yeah. into downhill. And yeah, does it all really well. And uh, I know then, of course, Ronan Taylor, who I met uh, coming into high school, who basically taught me everything about downhill. He brought yeah, like cool. a dirt magazine in to I school. And, and I was just like, holy shit. Like, so was Ronan and Kenta, are they a little bit older than you are? Uh, the same age, we're oh, all okay. the same age. So yeah, it's really cool. Like, and then they introduced me to like older guys who were doing like these crazy tricks and like on the Black Isle, and they had like local jump spots and stuff that I never even knew about, and I was just like blown away. So yeah, cool. Jumping kind of goes hand in hand with downhill, and then yeah, it just like so generally was, tra- trajectory was like cross country, dirt jumping, yeah, and then into downhill. Yeah, cross country. Like loved it, loved obviously going down the hill. Yeah, uh, but yeah, bit like, bit racing like myself, up the hill. Bit like myself, like <laughs> can never quite imagine cross country racing. But I guess to give people a bit of context, like Inverness, obviously mm-hmm. north of uh, the north of Scotland, mm-hmm. for the mountain bikers out there, it's it's kind of weird to compare Inverness to Fort William because if if you weren't into mountain biking, it'd be the other way around. But uh, Inverness is what sixty five miles away from from Fort William. Yeah, and there's. Yeah, there's not much in between there. And then also south to Perth is just, you know, it's kind of yeah. just, well, it's just the highlands, just yeah. land. There's always been a bit of a scene up in Inverness as well. Like, mm-hmm. obviously I'm a trials rider, but it's pretty crazy how many sort of racers and professionals are up in Inverness, despite it being like such a... Absolutely. Do you think like the, the scene there is definitely like the reason you are where you are? Like, yeah, like for, sh- for sure. There must be some sort of uh, link with that because... Also, well, look at, yeah, you look at Danny yourself and there's even other people that have come from skiing. Yeah. To, uh, even surfing, I've heard, like, there's a way and stuff. So I think it's, it's potentially it's something just, to do with, like, not being a whole lot of other things to do. Exactly. So there's, and obviously there's plenty of, plenty of mountains and hills to go up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So um, what have you been up to in the last sort of few months in terms of the old lockdown how have you, yeah. how have you been finding it have you been enjoying it because like I was saying earlier to you it's like yeah. um, in some ways mm-hmm. I almost feel guilty like I think there's been huge sort of downsides uh, yeah. to it for ourselves but then also in sort of a weird twist the way I kind of enjoyed it yeah um, just getting some time doing yourself, nothing yeah. being able to ride without too many commitments and yeah. just being in one place for yeah, in a few weeks at a time. So, how have you, have you been finding training? I've I've been loving it to be honest. Yeah. It's uh, there was definitely some hard times when you're just like not having any goals or races was kind of the hardest thing. Just to be like, right, I'm kind of useless now. Like, yeah, yeah. what do I do with myself? But, a bit per, almost like your de- or not your identity, but like your sort of drive is exactly yeah not gone, but almost worse. You just don't yeah. know like when it's coming. I think like I know for myself personally, it's quite hard when it's that sort of in between time where you you don't know whether it's happening or you don't know whether it's yeah, happening. For sure. It's kind of in limbo. But I suppose there's some sort of, there's at least a plan now, I guess, in place for the UCI yeah. World Cup calendar and it's what, kicking off in October, September? Yeah, yeah end of September, October. Yeah. We're going, uh, first race is going to be world champs. So That's yeah, nuts nuts. I was looking at that and I, I have made the criteria for it, but whether it will go ahead uh, is pretty sceptical. And then also speaking to someone kind of in the know uh, the other day, he was like, and there is a chance they could literally cancel it the week off, okay. which is just, 
kind of again yeah, yeah. not good to hear but we're going to work towards it either way yeah. and yeah I mean, so it must be quite difficult to just kind of keep that motivation going like if you just know you're going to be starting that race on like yeah the 31st of may or whatever <laughs> and you're in january and like yeah. you just know well you can never be sure of anything in this world but like yeah you know Absolutely. as much as anything that going ahead you just like yeah and whether you they have come that driving force to just keep going whereas now it's just like it must be quite hard because you kind of want to do you yeah, ramp things up or do you just try and be like you try and on be, top of your game the whole yeah. time kind of thing you or try and be consistent for like all of it but definitely now is like the last push for the yeah. end of the season like this is where we're at now it's like this is coming into the last few races and then it's like now it's possibly going to be the start of the season yeah and then what if it doesn't go ahead then you're just waiting another winter and yeah, it's yeah. like what a waste of time yeah but i guess you just can't think that and you just got to exactly get your head down and at least it's at least it's riding your bike and it's fun but i guess the yeah. the training how how much would you sort of consider yourself i not to say that you're not an athlete but like I always find maybe it's coming from ourselves in terms of like as trials riders who just make videos for <laughs> for a living and do the odd show. Like you're in a, you're in a different sort of ballpark, but like, don't know. Do you, like how serious do you take training? Like, yeah, I'll, I I take it seriously because it's like you have to. That's, well, you have to, and that's yeah. like what gives you the good results, you know. Yeah. So, and it kind of gives me confidence. Like the harder I train, the the better prepared I am, yeah. the more confident I am. So. Uh, I don't see why you wouldn't, you know, mm. like it's, so to what, me it's like, yeah, just why wouldn't you? So what's like, um, if you maybe take lockdown, like what's a sort of like typical week? Yeah, well, lockdown was you? hard because it was like, at the start, I was ready to go and yeah. I was like, new team. I guess that, that's another reason I've got like a new team this year. Yeah, with you want to just and get it's stuck like, in. Oh, like, I'm itching to get going. Yeah. So, uh, but lockdown just that threw a total curveball at us because it was, uh, Kind of the first time I've been um, really just like, well, the first time since I started racing that I was spent a full summer at home, pretty much. Yeah. I did a little trip away testing with the team, but um, it was the first time I've like spent like full going into summer and crazy seeing like literally even the plants grow. Yeah. yeah. And like, <laughs> oh my God, the trails are overgrown now. What am I going to do? Like, yeah, yeah. And That's then funny. I'm going to have to go out and chop them down because... Like, yeah. Normally I just You're only used to seeing them when there's no exactly nothing um, there. Normally I'd be in Europe or America yeah, yeah. or wherever, like racing. So it's actually been really refreshing to actually spend mm -hmm. a summer at home and uh, with my friends. And uh, don't get me wrong, it's been hard at times. It's been testing because you're like, geez, like what else can I do? Yeah. Or uh, or you get, you get fed up with one one another. It's like yeah. So who so. who's who are you living with and stuff? Because you live with Ross Bell from yeah yeah. Uh, contributor to pink bike and absolutely yeah yeah so been friends with ross for a couple of years now and uh yeah when i bought my first house uh i was kind of just looking for like a housemate or whatever yeah, yeah. so yeah he was keen to move to inverness at the time because he was working for an inverness based mountain bike company and uh yeah moved there and then yeah, cool. uh that that went hand so in you hand, guys so. been in lockdown together yeah Hence why you're able to still churn out some uh, pretty pro looking for uh, photos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during lockdown, everyone's Definitely. like looking at that. I guess we're a little bit like the same, like myself and Danny have been yeah. locked down with um, a young guy who's been working with us, Rory, and he's been mm -hmm. helping us keep the content flowing. That's it. It's, so, good. it's good to have. And uh, it's, nah, it's it's super fun to have someone uh, to bounce ideas off. Yeah. You know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ah, it's been good. So, um, so have you during lockdown have you mostly been riding or have you been riding and training? Yeah, just riding, just yeah. riding like heaps. You've not just been hitting the gym. Well, I guess the gyms have been closed. But yeah, you've got a little bit of a gym set up in your yeah. house, though, don't you? Uh, kind of. I had a bit of a gym set up, and then it was just kind of getting a bit temperamental because most of the stuff only was fit in a small space, and then you're outside doing it, and yeah. But my uncle actually has a rad spot in like a agricultural kind of sheds okay cool so that's like based and we just and it's been good because the gyms are shut so just go there and then just only recently uh, my coach jed like opened back up so i'm back in there in his kind of private so have you got have you got like a coach who's got you in a program and stuff yeah yeah so i've got like a strength conditioning coach uh, jed mccurney who's based local to me and Uh. we just uh yeah i've been working with him for the last probably year and a half now okay and as Um, a coach something you've had like Right, mm-hmm. your racing career and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I, well, early on, Chris Ball, credit to him because he kind of put me on the Scottish Cycling Talent Team, mm-hmm. and that was like the first kind of big push and support I had. And we were training in Edinburgh Napier University, oh, okay. getting tested there with like all the kind of cool scientists stuff, and uh, that was like big kick up the arse kind of as well to be like. This is how you need to train. Like well, how you're going to do it. Like I was still yeah. training as a cross country rider, and they were like, "You need to be a lot stronger. I like to get those legs bigger." Yeah, That's exactly. Cool. So now that was really like the foundation of uh, what kind of started, kind of my good results coming, and then uh, also having a great bunch of riders around me, like Rory Cunningham and uh, Joe Connell, Fraser McGlone. Uh They were all kind of really keen as well, and we we're all helping each yeah, other. Yeah, it's out. crazy when you think. Like I guess. I guess Scotland and the UK as a whole is just such a strong, a strong sort of mountain biking and downhill nation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And obviously with Scotland having so many yeah. insane locations striding with Fort William, which is essentially like the home of British downhill being definitely with us. So, yeah. um, so going back then was, what was like your sort of step into downhill racing then after that you're talking sorry, about yeah. cross country. So like, yeah, so as I said, sorry, my mum took me to my first race in Fort William and then it kind of developed into racing that cross-country schoolboy series. Okay. And then I think I even did juvenile, which is like the first step in the UK. It's like juvenile, youth, junior. Then you either go this to... This is cross-country still? This is any, sorry, okay. uh, mountain bike discipline, okay. so downhill. Sorry, trials, trials by here doesn't have to <laughs> about any of this racing stuff. <laughs> yeah, so then basically when you're, when you're junior, that's like your kind of graduating year. Yeah. And you're 17, 18, starting to learn to drive and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and then that you either go into senior, uh, expert or elite. And that's kind of like your three stages. Of, yeah, okay. And then after that, when you're older, four, plus 40, master, yeah, yeah. Uh, veteran, <laughs> a whatever. A little bit off that for now. Yeah, <laughs> we won't be thinking about that for a while. A few more years yet. <laughs> but uh, no, so yeah, I basically was going from juvenile and then that's when I kind of thought started to think about downhill okay and then went to my first SDA at a forest ah cool and when was it was it a very much like a case of as soon as you tried downhill yeah cross countries like out the window or was it was there like a transition phase where you were doing cross country (laughs) downhill it was pretty much already out the window because I'd been to the Fort William World Cup Oh, uh, so you'd, you'd like seen to, the, to watch, yeah. So when was the first Fort William World Cup in like 2003 or something? 2003, I, yeah. I think I missed the first one, but I was definitely there 
2004, 2005. Yeah. And uh, my dad took me for like my birthday with like three of my friends. Okay, and cool. Camped and like, yeah. Just the best time ever. I've seen Martin Ashton and yeah. Chopper Field. So why didn't, like you, why didn't you take up trials then? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because it was definitely on the cards. Like, it's all, like we all did that sort of pallet, yeah, dropping yeah. off walls, like looking for all that stuff. But it just, I don't know it. Some of my friends even got onza trials bikes and stuff like that. But and you like do a bit of everything. I just I was so keen on getting like a dirt jump bike. I think yeah. that it just kind of. Let's face it, it is probably a little bit cooler downhill. You reckon? Than trials. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Danny's kind of paved the way for making that look pretty, <laughs> pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe cooler bike. I don't know if he's necessarily the coolest guy around, but um, yeah. So yeah, so you're basically combination of loving the riding seeing fort william just being like that's yeah, that's, that's what i want to do so like what sort of age are we at like when we're at your first downhill race first downhill race is 2006 2007 um around then so i'm probably like 15 6 15 and then did it sort of happen quite fast? I did um, one thing I remember no. you saying to me before, like you weren't like, cause obviously Scotland's mm. had some strong juniors. Absolutely. Obviously the most notable one would be, uh, um, really Cunningham winning Absolutely. the junior world champs in another, Fort William 2007, which was massive. Yeah. Um, a massive for Scottish downhill as well, because it just made us realize it was possible. Yeah. And, and Rudy's a little bit older than you, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So that must have been a massive, obviously I'm mm-hmm. sure you looked up to like, so Steve Pete and stuff like that, but to see Rudy, who's only maybe yeah. a few years older than you from Scotland must have been of course, huge. Yeah. Cause like that was like, yeah. even just thinking about that now, it's like such an insane, mm-hmm. an insane moment to have seen him Absolutely. win in front of the home crowd. Um, yeah, but was, yeah, the, but you, you were saying before, I remember you said you weren't necessarily like, you weren't like fast off the back kind of thing. You were a little no. bit of a sort of late. No, I don't know why. I was was super into it, but for some reason, I don't know. uh, Yeah, I was just like a bit of a late bloomer and just like didn't quite get get the ball rolling quick enough. And there's people like Lewis Buchanan, Sam Flockhart, who were just dominating. Like, they went straight into pro teams even and juniors just like flying. And I just kind of didn't quite have that same kind of edge that they had. So I, I kept going for it, like, trying but it was just kind of my body and head kind of needed to kind of sort a few things out first and then it was like once I did I was felt a lot better but so what was was there like a sort of clicking kind of moment yeah in terms of like a national race or like yeah yeah. Uh, exactly pretty much nail on the head there but it was like uh SDA I think uh I got like fastest time of the day or something like that and it was only I could even say like my career only started when i left juniors yeah so which like, is what eight, 18 18 yeah. yeah so and were you on a team at that point in junior uh no, no. i was well, i was kind of i had uh no i had help from mtb cut i was on the mtb yeah. cut orange oh, you team. were on the mtb cut team and, oh, I uh, I in juniors yeah ah, cool. so i kind of just my last junior race sorry to skip a wee bit uh, right. yeah my last junior race i qualified at my first world cup okay uh it um Wyndham in America oh, really? and Stu cool. actually flew over with me which was real cool ah, that's class. had like a really good trip with them because they were doing the whole MTV yeah. kind of thing at which the time. I guess I guess would probably put a little bit of a um, description for those who are maybe getting a bit confused um the MTB cut team was essentially started by a guy called Stu Thompson who now runs a media company called cut media but it started off as MTB cut and he had like a sort of grassroots um yeah. like 
yeah. sort of semi-privateer team, I suppose, for young, was it always Scottish riders? Yep. Yeah, so there was likes of yourself. There was loads Louis of Buchanan. Was, I presume Ruri was on it at some point. I don't think Ruri was on it, but like for sure, like uh, Catherine highly was on it, yeah. influenced by yeah. it. Uh, and like, yeah, they, they were good friends, I yeah. remember. So, uh, or still are. Uh, <laughs> but they uh, basically came from doing that. I actually started going back a bit again. I did a lag and training day that Stu and his dad organized. Ah, cool. And that was like a massive eye opener. I actually ended up buying one of Stu's old Derno bikes as one of my first Derno bikes. Oh, nice. Uh, what was it? An orange? It was a Giant. Ah, an Easter okay. ride uh, for Giant. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was like, again, like a bit of an eye opener. Like, ah, cool. oh, whoa, this is so cool. Uh, it's funny. The first, the first thing I remember of uh, Stu was the clan. Yeah. <laughs> and it was on, I can't even remember what, it wasn't like a sprung. It was like a, it was a, it was some video that we had that did a feature on Crawford Kirk Anderson. He was obviously like on giant by that point, I think, but he was boss. still part of the clan, but yeah, it's pretty funny. So you moved from, so you're on MTB cut team. Yeah. You got just a good for, result at the world cup. And then yeah. what was the sort of next step after that? Yeah. So that was like my last year junior. And then from there it was kind of like MTB cup was kind of fading into cut media mm-hmm. and wasn't really having the same support as it was uh, years previous. But also I was trying to get into World Cup racing and yeah. moving into, once I knew I was going to go into elite, it was kind of, right, I need to really like get my crap together yeah. and get after it. And then, uh, so it was a pretty solid winter training and I last minute got a shirt from uh, Nukeproof, uh, okay. uh, like a, a B team to, not Nukeproof train reaction, but uh, Irish lot. Uh, oh, right. Dan Sheridan and his dad that were running and they were like good friends I so with. the kind of semi-privateer yeah, with they, support kind of yeah they gave us a bike and gave us a bit of support at the races but okay. uh, I still played for like yeah so did you just do a full a full World Cup season full World Cup season as a, an elite senior yeah oh, cool. and uh, I ended up getting like a top 20 at Fort William uh, and half L in Norway okay and then that sprung some interest to Martin Whiteley and he got in contact and kind of made it known that he was interested Mm -hmm. in me for the Trek team. Mm -hmm. But then it was a very much last minute thing because at the time Aaron Gwynn kind of made a dramatic leave. I'm not sure if you remember. Yeah, yeah. so Gwynn at that point has probably had like what, two or three or even more years on Trek, like absolutely dominating. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so you literally went from semi-privateer well privateer essentially and you jumped straight into track yeah. world racing yeah which was which crazy must have been insane. <laughs> it was absolutely mental it was yeah. like it was almost like too much too soon really yeah. looking back but it was like the best thing that could have happened because it just well it's it's kept me in the sport this yeah long, so it, what was that two th- what year we're on now then sort of uh two, yeah so that was 2013 no. okay so, so yeah eight years cool so yeah like what was it must have been I always think like a young rider going into a factory team must be quite mixed feelings because in some ways you have like all that support you've had. It's quite, must be quite validating just for someone mm-hmm. like Trek World Racing for sure. um, to pick you up. But then at the same time must be quite a lot of, it must come with its pressures. It's just inevitable, Definitely. isn't it? Because they've invested so much into you. For sure. And they're obviously going to want something back. But like how did you... Did you, is that something you found well, quite difficult or? No, not, at, I probably should have taken it more seriously than I did, yeah. but I was just like a kid in a candy store, just yeah. like had everything at my disposal. We were given everything we could ever need. And it was just like, 
wow, this is like, this is it. Yeah. And like, we went to America like three times in the off season. I'd never been to America. Yeah, it's just all covered and stuff like that. So. With, uh, with like for outside yeah. of a race, you yeah. know, it was like amazing. So, so um, you go from like living in the back of a van, like fixing your own bikes. Yeah. Did you have a mechanic at the, at Nukeproof then? Uh, so yeah, good. You said that. Like basically went from no mechanic kind of working on my own bike. Actually that year I had a, Nuke proof wheel set and I actually like used the same wheels the whole season yeah, and okay. I must have tightened the spokes like a thousand times like, like some, me, to be honest. somehow didn't <laughs> blow up but, I think it's um, pretty much known like well I know myself <laughs> I'm absolutely shocking at fixing bikes um, <laughs> yeah. I've been lucky to live with uh, Danny and Ali for the last like forever so they're so yeah. good at fixing bikes I kind of never yeah <laughs> never needed to kind of do it but i think you said you're you're a little bit the same yeah in terms i'm of a lot like, better than i was but <laughs> like uh sam pilgrim fixing his bikes with like <laughs> using well, curbs as sanders and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah i've definitely had some uh pretty shoddy repairs but uh no I start we had the last one we got a bit of scottish cycling support in norway okay. where i got that top 20 i was guess, talking about yeah uh and ben arnett uh actually expressed his interest to kind of help Ruri and I uh, okay, cool. go to Norway and uh, we all actually tripped out in a van oh, uh, nice. loaded up the van in Edinburgh and just drove out to Norway which was fucking hilarious trip yeah, man I can imagine some cafers any, there, like, any trip that involves a long ferry is usually pretty oh, funny geez. from my experience so. yeah um, and then uh, oh the, the jokes were absolutely horrendous it was it was great crack so yeah. Just keep them <laughs> off, keep them off this. Um, so you've joined Trekboard Racing in 2013. Uh, yeah, got yourself a mechanic, so you don't need to fix your yeah, so, bike anymore. Well, I actually, messaged uh, Ben that off season and was like, "That was really fun having yeah. you uh, 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 Norway." And then spoke to Martin about him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, he actually expressed some interest uh, oh, cool. on the uh, on the email and uh, before I even said so." He kind of went back to him and then I actually almost spoiled it because Martin had someone in mind already. Oh, really? And then he was like, okay, I'll look at this Ben guy again. And then. Oh, so some poor guy, <laughs> some poor guy thought he was having his dream job traveling the world with uh, a yeah. track world racing only to get patched <laughs> off. But um, that's cool. But then we did the uh, two years of Ben and that was like so fun. And yeah. he's such a great guy as well. And uh, yeah, that was, that was yeah, it. And Ben Arnett, I think, still working with. Martin Whiteley to that's this right. day on, on right different now. teams, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's cool. So how did that season go then? Did like that season was epic. Yeah. Like uh I had some really good runs and uh also some total school buyers like yeah. forgetting Just my gloves find, finding that and goggles so, oh, really? <laughs> for a Fort William race run. Oh nice. And did you ride without goggles and gloves then? I rode I got my goggles on and then we left the gloves on the turbo trainer. Oh, really? and so I just dropped in gloveless and got, I got like my first top 10 as well. Oh, really? So that was like, that was like one of the first times, like you said, cause you weren't like necessarily like, um, huge in the junior scene. I think that mm-hmm. was kind of, even though we were both from Inverness, I, I think that was the time where I was like, I watched that race, I think. Yeah. And you, were you on the hot seat for ages? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then it's like, this guy's from Inverness. I was like, how, yeah. how did I not know? Like, oh, same here. Inverness? It's funny Literally that. like there was so much of that, like, like not just yourself, but a few other mountain bikers. I was like, "You're you're in Inverness." I don't yeah. know how it's such a such a small place, but like, yeah. still kind of. I think that's there. kind of like an indicator of like how much. Well, obviously, it wouldn't have necessarily felt like that for yourself because you're living it. But mm-hmm. that was definitely that must have been quite a big moment in terms of like people not knowing who you were before to yeah knowing who you were. 
Definitely. Especially people in Inverness that didn't necessarily know yeah. like that you were from there or whatever. And, Absolutely. Um, so that was like your first big result on track then? Because I guess right. that would have been one of the first races of the season as well. Yeah. Cool. And that kind of like snowballed into even the next weekend in Val de Sol. I had like a, probably my best run ever going. I was like third at the split, I believe, and like all kinds of stuff. And I was pretty much on for podium and where Sam Hill crashed at that bottom kind of oh, wide yeah. corner, I had like a pretty much identical front wheel wash and oh, really? massive crash. And I was just like, oh great oh, really? and so that was like uh, a bit of a so that, so that kind of like slowed me up a bit and then kind of got back into it again and got another few top 20s which is yeah, great cool so that's a pretty successful season good first year all, yeah and then yeah. you did another season with so after that. i did two other years actually oh, cool. i did uh 2014 and then 15 i actually that's when kind of i had a bit of a plateau my first yeah. kind of plateau and that was so like i guess it's inevitable especially in, in exactly. dino racing when it is just on the edge of it, isn't it? Like you kind of yeah. like, it's either going, well, from from outside looking, it definitely seems like regardless of where you are in the sort of standards, it definitely seems to be kind of like going for somebody. And then once it goes, it goes. And then once it doesn't, it's maybe pretty difficult to yeah to get back on it and can sometimes sure. take like a season or even longer to kind of get back on it. So Yeah, so from there it was, uh, it was kind of a bit of an uphill push because I had a massive crash and don't know if you remember in Lourdes. I think I kind I've of, seen a few went, crashes. I don't know whether I'm mistaking it with one in Cairns maybe. Yeah. Um, Did you crash in Cairns? No. Nah, maybe it's Lourdes. Was, then, I think it was maybe Adam yeah. Brayton. <laughs> Adam Brayton had a massive one there. No, nah, there was definitely no? a crash. Maybe I'm just getting confused with places. It was definitely yeah. you. Like you showed it to yeah. me. I'm sure you showed it to me. <laughs> remember we did a photo shoot um, for the Fort William World Cup in Glasgow. Oh yeah, yeah. And you were in like your full trek kit. Uh, that was this was this was the Lourdes crash. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Aye, so that was like that was over a bridge. Yeah, uh, yeah. So probably then as well, I I suffered a pretty bad concussion, and that actually I didn't recognize it at the time, mm-hmm. and that was like having looked back now, it's like oh, that was such a nightmare because I didn't even know I had one, but I was just getting worse and worse. And, and was that in your was that in your race run? Uh, that was from that crash. Yeah. Okay. So it was kind of kind of the the worst and best thing that could happen because it made me realize of how serious concussions were yeah. and uh like it wasn't i actually did the whole season pretty much probably making it worse because i was mm-hmm. still training through it i was still yeah you just uh, needed to give yourself a time to rest and exactly. like, actually get over it for sure so um that's something that i tried to i've actually done a video recently uh with uh you and rossi from glasgow mm-hmm. about trying to make more awareness with concussions yeah really it was actually interesting you say that because it was one thing i was going to ask you about because it's pretty topical at the moment isn't it because Mm. um with this sort of it was in the last few years talking about cte and stuff Mm -hmm. like ex-action sport athletes or maybe anything that's sort of consistent head trauma so um have you had quite a few concussions in uh touch wood no i haven't i've only had that one and then one last year yeah which uh i kind of was so good to kind of get on top of because I knew what to do this yeah. time and it was so good to have like the proper guidance mm-hmm. uh, so I guess it's just it's just such an unknown like mm-hmm. I guess it still is but I suppose it's getting better and it seems to be all about like obviously you don't want to hit your head once but it seems yeah. to be like the second and third it almost gets like exponentially absolutely worse if you don't let yourself give yourself that time to basically exactly. recover exactly um, so yeah, to put to come into 2019 where I did it a second time actually, I 
like hit it properly like uh basically got straight into like drove home i had michael vickers a british cycling coach kind of helped me out at the time and he uh went through the protocol yep it's definitely a concussion uh, right let's get home drove home straight away like left the world cup that weekend yeah. uh and then i missed several world cups oh, really? and just this is last this last was year. last season okay, yeah cool. so i basically yeah he thankfully he helped recognize it and then got myself home dark room yeah. no tv minimal phone time oh really minimal like anything like that i'd like for was it a month and a half i did it at home. oh really it's crazy looking back actually because it was just yeah, like i must yeah. be like well obviously like it's super serious but at the same time it must have been like especially in like this modern world to like yeah. be away from your phone or never yeah. just to just to be kind of like sitting there it mm. must have been like so boring yeah it was yeah that it was, probably it was pretty so good to be honest like Absolutely. regardless of the concussion it's probably quite a nice thing to it like really nice get away like, from like all that crap that we just like yeah. constantly surround ourselves with these days exactly so i like was reading some some psychology books even yeah and stuff like that and just kind of doing minimal like mm-hmm. no exertion of yeah. anything and just like you know just relaxing so that turned out to be the best thing i could do because i knew i was selected for worlds oh, so okay, i yeah. just rested up for those last two races and then kind of got worked my way into the world champs weekend got uh i think it was 14th okay that's good and i was like okay sweet like that's good considering i've been yeah, yeah. in my bed <laughs> not <laughs> on, exactly on like the couch good training setup yeah and then that kind of uh I never actually realized how fresh I was because uh, I hit um, Snowshoe the weekend after and got seventh at like yeah, the, so that's the like, last World And that Cup. was literally the last World Cup race yeah. that there's been. Yeah. So that's cool. So it was like, wow, like that stuff works. And yeah, yeah. I really want to kind of make that known to everyone as well. Like yeah. you kind of recognize it. It's annoying because the UCI actually had a concussion doctor trialing uh, two or three years ago. Okay. And he would come to all the World Cups. And I don't know why it stopped. And is it just like his decision's final? So if he well, if he comes and sees someone and they're like, if he says you're not racing, I believe there's nothing. He would still leave the option to you. Oh, really? Or the team. Which must like, be pretty lethal. Which is because, pretty lethal. Because I know what like folk would be like. They're just going to, especially like depending yeah. on what position they're in, whether they're yeah like needing to prove themselves for a team or to yeah. keep themselves on their current team, whatever. It must be exactly. like very tempting just to to get back on it and make things worse because yeah. I can only imagine you're not exactly very fast mm-hmm. if you're like off the back of a concussion. Yeah. Even if you think you are. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that guy Nick never even didn't really hear too much about him after. Like, yeah. I guess they stopped paying him. Yeah. And, I guess uh, it's all money, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but no, well, what I heard most recently, did you see like Bruni's crash in Fort William? Mm-hmm. Like he had that on the hip. Mm, qualifying. Qualifying, so he had to get checked out, and I believe they he had quite a complex, especially for him with his language barrier speaking English. He had quite a complex, like, uh, had to read the alphabet backwards, yeah, and a few other things. And um, he said it was really tough, I remember him saying. And uh, he also that that did rely on him racing on Sunday. Yeah. And that would have been a massive hit in his points because it yeah, came well, down to that final Yeah, round, if he so. hadn't raced Fort William that Sunday, he wouldn't have won the exactly. overall because I think, did he come like fifth or, or like, he didn't win, but he, no. he was like, he got points basically, didn't he? Yeah, he got he got points, but yeah. it was uh, it was a massive help towards his... It's, the difficult, it's a fine sort of margin to sort of tread, isn't it? Because, yeah, I don't know, like... 
sport it's where there's like money people's involved. livelihood yeah and yeah. then but at the same time when you t- when it comes to your head you just like i don't know it's not yeah. like hurting your arm or something it's like no regrets yeah once that closes <laughs> you're goose like so yeah um, so you're saying you're doing some did you say you did a video or like some sort of campaign to yeah well he he actually i can't take credit for it yeah. he started it and uh they actually did an interview with me a couple of months ago and oh, uh cool. hopefully that'll be out soon That's i know sweet. it's part of uh you'll uh you'll know adam mcguire oh yeah 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 so he he's filming it as part oh, of class. his uh his uni project ah so. cool that's a pretty good topic so mm-hmm. definitely something interesting i always wonder like with uh because i guess the problem with these things is it's not necessarily just concussions it's like just continuous kind of like shocks to the head i yeah. sometimes wonder like with like even with trials doing like mm-hmm. 10 foot drops to flat like it's just it's crazy you're not like not big hits but just hundreds and thousands if not more of just like these yeah sort of like sort yeah. of rings of your bell but absolutely some of the worst uh concussions you can suffer are being like rear-ended by a car apparently i just get like a bad, just, bad like, whiplash a, a bad whiplash is just like and you never even so you've not really hit your head yeah you've just like mm-hmm. just been a massive like deceleration kind of thing exactly but crazy cool um so yeah so you had a sort of mixed final season with trek mm-hmm. um as mixed, a result of that mixed uh final season but then also like again that kind of reset and kick yeah. up the arse you need to yeah. kind of take it to the next level so again good i must have finally just got the rest i needed mm-hmm. from that concussion i suffered in 2015 in the off season because i came like all guns blazing out in 2016 yeah joined uh cube which was like a bit of a skeptical move yeah new bike and i did that all sort of come about because i remember thinking it was like i always thought the bike looks cool and obviously cuba yeah a big brand mm-hmm. Ger- they're german right yeah, yeah yeah um but still quite a still sort of yeah quite a random one i suppose exactly um, yeah. coming from such a sort of um sort of household name like trek absolutely uh, to go to someone like cube but it yeah. worked pretty well for you didn't it yeah well they still had like a massive uh backing and brand mm-hmm. behind them yeah. So they had all the tools they needed to create a good bike. Yeah. Uh, but I still wasn't too sure. But then given that first test I did in the winter, I was like, nah. So did they have a be good. did they have a bike before you joined? Yeah. Or like a rough? They had a rough copy, yeah. We changed it three times, I believe, until the start of the season. But cool. it, was, it wasn't far off. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was actually, I did a... EWS, which was like fastly becoming yeah. one of the new cool series mm-hmm. things to try. So I did uh, Finale Liguri and I still hadn't sorted a team out. And it was the last race of the season. A lot of people were, a lot of downhill racers were there, even treating yeah. it as a bit of fun. And yeah, it was cool. Uh, and I actually bumped into, through my coach at the time, Chris Murray, to the Cube manager oh, and cool. kind of uh, Bliss Protection, uh, Matthias. Yeah. And uh, it kind of just rolled from there yeah, and cool. uh, got my email, got chatting. and So you signed up with yeah. them pretty quick and yeah. just started developing. Because mm-hmm. it must have been quite um, quite different for you to go from a team like Trek, who's mm-hmm. got that sort of like race, yeah. winning, proven bike off the back of like going exactly. dominating for those for mm-hmm. those years, which must have been like, I'm sure they still tweaked it, but it must have been pretty much like yeah. good. you just kind of join in. And you just ride in like pretty exactly. down, like where you're kind of like working with Cube a bit more, I suppose. Yeah, it was kind of it. it was kind of good because it we kind of went hand in hand. Like I'd kind of had a few two good years with Trek, and then the last year was kind of maybe this guy's like losing it a bit. Yeah, and so and then Cube coming in is kind of like 
also a skeptical brand kind of being like mm, do they have what it takes to build yeah. a good derno bike so i also um, saw their bike looked like even from the start i also saw the bike looked really nice like that's good no yeah. it wasn't like like nothing sort of yeah too crazy but just like a nice i don't know i had of, a lot of friends Diss me for it. <laughs> really? Like the downhill bike or? Yeah. Or I, just like, I don't know why. Yeah. I or maybe just, I, Did they change it up much from the start? Maybe I'm thinking of like the um, finished article. I also yeah, like the Yeah, race, maybe the I finished article the was really good. nice. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Well, the race bike, yeah. We, as I say, we yeah. got that pretty dialed, I think. But maybe just some of their older bikes they weren't too yeah. keen on. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, you kind of like, you were on yeah. that. I guess you probably went from being mm-hmm. one of the sort of younger lesser known riders on the track team yeah beneath them um, like who was yeah uh, it was brooke, brooke mcdonald nico malali laurie greenland and george okay. brannigan sorry ah cool well, that's quite yeah. a big team then i suppose yeah yeah um, so but, it was yeah pretty sweet team and sure. then you find yourself kind of on cube with matt walker uh yeah yeah matt and you're pretty much like the sort of mm-hmm. on level kind of peggins as the sort of two lead riders on that team i suppose exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah we had a blast just you have a bit more say on like the bike and stuff like that and you maybe would yeah well i was it. i was always real keen to test and i yeah. love just like that's one of my even one, though you're uh, a crap mechanic <laughs> even though i'm a crap mechanic <laughs> i like to i like to, i know how a good bike feels I guess. yeah well, that's so. good i guess that's valuable to the team as well especially if they're developing a bike yeah it's not just about results it's about exactly. like, sort of. well really it's just i think not even that it's down to whatever a rider feels comfortable on if yeah. they can if they can get them comfortable yeah then you're golden you know she had like two pretty good years Two pretty good then. years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've never actually really talked about that, um, like kind of publicly. But yeah, the the second year of Cube, it really kind of was quite tough because I'd had those good results in 2016, mm-hmm. and we were looking at re-signing. Yeah, and it really kind of went a bit sour between me and the team manager. It was like quite a hard time, uh, even to just talk about it. Now it's like. Like just, we just got into a full kind of argument over yeah. silly stuff, really. But yeah, um, yeah it was pretty. Uh, it's pretty hard going. He he was really keen for me to sign a contract yeah. at one of the World Cups, and I wasn't. Oh, they just kind of they kind and of just be like, oh, sign this now, kind of thing, or yeah, sign this now, or basically you're you're gone, oh, right. and uh, or you're you're not getting anything, or yeah. and you're going to be with us for another year, sort of thing. So. It was like, uh, I guess so that's hard of, tactics. Yeah, I guess that sort of, I guess that setup's difficult because once the sort of results start coming, which they did, yeah, they obviously want to sign you, but then they also know because you've hit big results, there's potentially other mm-hmm. teams trying to sign you, so they yeah. kind of wanting to get you tied down, which is only natural, I suppose. Exactly. I guess exactly. potentially, like maybe yeah, looking back now, the sort of is, time you want to do it. Yeah, looking back now, it was kind of silly, but it was just like that's business and yeah, yeah and uh it definitely made me grow it's not only like a kind of rider but into kind of like i guess treating it more like a job yeah. like is it almost something you kind of would you say you have a regret about it like would you rather like i would have loved to it, kind of finish it on a better note yeah it, it was it wasn't so nice to just be leaving and being like yeah especially like, if you're still you, especially <laughs> if you're still racing like having to race like mm-hmm. a what, like, did you have more, like, races within that season as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah which must be really... I also mm-hmm. think it's kind of like Formula One in that, like, where uh, yeah. once you, like, know you're leaving, yeah, but they, then you still have a they, job to do. It must yeah. be a very weird dynamic, like, yeah. with the team. Whether, like, especially if there's, like, some sort of, like... Mm-hmm. It's hard, man, like, and you see it happen everywhere. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah. So. I find that with us. Have you seen the... 
the Netflix Formula One stuff. Yeah. Where it's like Max Verstappen and yeah, Daniel like, Ricardo. Yeah, Ricardo like leaves yeah. and it's just like he has to like still I, I assure you like, we're we're treating you the same. No, yeah. you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must it's, be so uh, hard to kind of continue to race. Absolutely. For like those like whether it's one more race or whether it's like half a season yeah. left to kind of just like put that sort of like tension behind you. But yeah. No, um, you can see that a lot in Formula One. Yeah. And I guess I guess there's so many parallels between downhill yeah. mountain bike and Formula One. Obviously, yeah, there's money in downhill, but it's not the same as Formula One. But it's still like the kind of absolutely the pinnacle of yeah, uh, given sport mountain biking, mountain biking motorsport, and then yeah. they are essentially kind of making these cars or bikes that the public don't really exactly yeah. ride, but it's still an indication and it's of a sort of quality of a somebody's bikes and. Exactly. Just marketing, essentially, I suppose. But that's it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of hard for some sponsors to get their head around that as well. Yeah. It's like, why would we support this? If yeah, but yeah, like we so it's know. amazing the way it kind of does trickle like down. A downhill bike can't yeah. sell a trail bike, you know. Yes, yeah. it's it's crazy how it works, but yeah. it makes sense, I suppose. Like if you can make a good downhill bike and still the same sort of things going into it. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so you had two years at two years at Cube, and then you moved over to. Moved over to Uno, Uno, which is again is quite yeah. a random, yeah, a random one. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was a random one, but then I maybe didn't have to guess so much about the bike yeah. if it was going to be. I was pretty confident I had a good bike, and there was a lot of hype around that bike. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like because Uno's like for yeah. those people who don't know, it's like it's almost like the definition of bike porn, really, isn't it? It's like exactly the yeah. nicest, cleanest, sleekest looking bike, yeah. almost almost unobtainable. Mm-hmm. Even though they do sell them, but they sell like a what they sell like a handful of them a year or whatever. Yeah, there is. Um, they were doing like 30 with some frames really? uh, and then 50 with others. So yeah, it's it really exclusive, which was super cool to be a part yeah. of. Like I was, yeah, I was kind of, I was loving that yeah. kind of uh, exclusivity and uh, I'm working with Cesar Rojo. Like he's mm-hmm. such a big bike he designer. Does, does he design bike? He designs he's, aspects he's, of bikes at least for other brands essentially yeah he's worked yeah. with uh he's worked with quite a few i believe mondraker was what really kicked him off and then okay. i think he's done stuff with orbea intense uh he's just kind of one of those like of, yeah. genius mm-hmm. tinker yeah. kind of types yeah he's got some really good ideas cool. and yeah it's uh it's cool just to see how his brain works yeah. uh, and, and was that bike yeah. just like beast kind of yeah, yeah it, w- it was it was a beast straight away and i had quite a lot of people going like oh it's so quiet or it's so smooth yeah. and yeah it really was but um yeah it was uh also i kind of knew a bit of uh well as i said leaving cube it didn't end as well as i hoped so it was kind of a bit of a scramble to get things set up and one of the options were going to i did have some team options but none that really tickled my fancy mm-hmm. and uh uno was there with a kind of exception and the exception was me running the team. Yeah. Okay. And that was kind of something I just kind of at the time was like, yep, I can do that. Yeah. No problem. Uh, yeah. I have to admit, I would say like, um, when I did hear, I think I heard that you were writing, I think you probably told me yourself or maybe heard it from someone else. They ran from me and I was like, oh, that's cool. Cause it's like such a cool bike. But then it's like, oh yeah, it's like running the team. I was like, yeah. Like, even just the minimal stuff I've done with say like drop and roll and just like trying to like manage yeah. a group of guys on the road and stuff and like knowing it's a little yeah. bit harder than mm-hmm. maybe you would think. Yeah. I was kind of like, I'm like, I sometimes find it difficult to kind of manage that setup as well as then riding the show. Yeah. And we're only just riding the show, right? You're actually having to like 
yeah. race. I did think when you signed that, I was like, I'm like, shit, that's going to be a potentially a hard one to, mm-hmm. to kind of balance when you're literally having to do all that work yeah. and then still get on your bike on like mm-hmm. the Thursday or Friday exactly. and still be at like the top of your game. But did you find it, did you find it quite difficult to kind of balance those two things or did you find that? Yeah, definitely had its times. It, it was crazy actually how fast those two years went yeah. now looking back it's such just, so busy. <laughs> just like that yeah and I was like like even thinking back now it's nowhere near as clear as it was in like Cube or mm-hmm. Uno or, or no Cube or Trek sorry uh, but it was just um, it was a crazy time and it was it was fun uh, it was really stressful it's, it put a lot of pressure on relationships like I had a really good thing going from Cube uh, with my mechanic Jesse yeah and that put a lot of pressure on him uh, going on to, you know, and it just, it just, it just wasn't the same, you know, you don't have that same backing. You don't have yeah, that yeah. kind of team. Uh, you're suddenly spending like your own money. Exactly. We didn't have a massive budget, which mm-hmm. was the main thing. So that thing really tailed you realize off. How expensive, quickly, you realise yeah. how expensive little things are. <laughs> like, crazy. It's amazing how it builds up. You're it's like, crazy. It's crazy. You're like, not making any money. Like, yeah. yeah. You literally, as soon as you go on the road, like, no one's getting dessert, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, dessert? Like, nah, nah, no one's dessert. You have like people like Ricky Crompton, just red wine, <laughs> mussels. That's it. Um, no ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so you did that for two years, basically, riding, leading the team, managing the team. Yeah. Um, but you still had some pretty good results. Yeah, still, got, still managed to sneak in some pretty good results, mainly because I was kind of doing things exactly the way I wanted to. Yeah. But at the same time bit more stressed out yeah. a bit more you know a bad weekend would be a really bad weekend because you're still driving home whilst right, looking just, the ferry whilst you know yeah like all that just like flying back exactly all your stuff taken care of yeah and then a good weekend was really good as well so it was uh plus yeah, we it's a little bit more rewarding i suppose than yeah. it may otherwise would be just because you've kind of you've it's been really there rewarding, from the bottom yeah. up and you've just done you're like you've done everything yeah that's for cool. sure but now that was a really good time but then Definitely looking forward to just signing with hopefully another team in 2019 or sorry, this year, 2020 yeah. uh, for it turned out to be Common Cell 100. Yeah. So that was like a big relief to just kind of be like, right, let's just focus on the job again. Yeah. Let's just get the results. Just and, racing. Yeah, you've got like, because yeah. how old are you now? 28? Yep, 28. Yeah, so you're still relatively young. Mm-hmm. It's, I guess it's probably pretty good that you did, did do that mm-hmm. in terms of like, get the man- team manager experience it gives you some options for the future i suppose but yeah at the same time you're just like for sure may as well just focus on racing i suppose exactly so uh now it's it's been like a really like refreshing kind of time uh just having seen now experiences and all every kind of team mm-hmm. and like like i feel i've got like a really good perspective of what teams are like before i even write yeah. for them so uh, it's it's been cool. Yeah, because I think even from like someone like myself who, whilst I'm within the mountain bike industry, we're quite sort of separated from it. But as a fan, even just looking in, mm-hmm. especially with like a Mary period like doing so well recently, but just generally like, comments Al seem to be doing a really good job in terms of just yeah. like they're killing it. There's like they're killing the results, but they're still. Yeah. they've still got all the sort of crack and banter yeah and like they're still looking like they're having a good time with it whereas like sometimes teams have all the crack they're not necessarily getting the results and then sometimes it's just the results but they really seem to have like managed to yeah bring that together like across their two two teams 
Yeah, it definitely seems like they've got like a real kind of like family vibe as well, yeah. which is which is nice for a rider and uh also to have them just you know have their they have their own media team even so yeah. they just they're putting he's out the, the guy, best stuff. He's the guy that does all the comments and stuff. His videos Haven't, are so cool. Gaetan. He's quite a young guy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Gaetan, I think. Uh, and there's a bunch of them. Uh, so that, sorry um, for not yeah. mentioning them all. That video that um, was it, Thomas? How did you say his name? Thomas Stack. Thomas Stack and, and Hugo Frickstallen. Yeah, yeah. That video was cool. Like, yeah, Hurricane. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. So is so. he basically? So Thomas is on the Commensal 100, 100 team. Yeah, and then Hugo is as well. Ah, okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. So it's us three and. Uh, and then there's the other Commensal Makov team. Yeah, sweet. Amory and Yeah. So between the two teams we've got some Yeah. Some stacked selection some coverage. Riders, so. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. But I guess similar to joining Trek, um you're literally you're getting on a bike that you like not only feels good, you literally know it's like capable of winning exactly. races. Yeah, it's like so. the best kind of way to go to the races because yeah. you kinda got no excuses. No excuses. Yeah. So yeah. Sweet. Um, what else we got? I'm going to ask you about it. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit about enduro, mm-hmm. where you met the guys at Cube. What's your sort of, is that something, like you've done a few enduro races, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, is that something you can see yourself doing more in the future? or? Um, definitely. Sometimes I've thought about it. Uh, I've done, I've kind of not picked the best ones. Apparently... Well, I've done two. D- oh, is, there certain, is there certain enduro races that are good for the downhillers, Absol- basically? Absolutely. Uh, no uh, there's really good enduro races to do. Like I did the Dunkeld Day enduro yeah. once, and that was like the one of the best days I had on my bike yeah. in 2018 or something. And uh, there's also, yeah, the EWS series, Chris Ball series, was like um, that was really good to do. Uh, the first one I did in finale. And then I've also done one in Spain. I uh, can't remember the place. Uh, but apparently not the best ones to do. Although, like, Finale's got amazing tracks, but they don't necessarily race the best kind of tracks. So it's kind of like... Are they just because they're what? They're, like, super rough or...? Uh, I think they just, just kind of keep the hill. good trails fresh and uh, then okay. maybe do some of the main ones or the, like, kind of, you know, just to, yeah, just so the locals don't get to. But... Um, but what I understand is La Tuil and some of the big mountain like Whistler, they're like the real good ones to do, but sometimes they clash with downhill yeah. races, which is So I guess like annoying. the downhill guys, when you're committed to the World Cup circuit, you must end up doing mm-hmm. certain EWS races. Yeah. Whilst you're trying sure. you, and you just never get a chance to do some of the other ones. So it's like Yeah. Well, Jack Moore, yeah. he's he's recently switched over to injury. Completely. Completely. That's because cool. well he was kind of my understanding is he didn't really have much of a any good options in downhill. Yeah. So he, it was Which like pretty a, insane, pretty insane considering yeah. he's such a good rider. Yeah. yeah. But it goes to show like sometimes you can have a bad year mm-hmm. and it can really like, you can sometimes just be stuck with like a bad, like, yeah, well, set that's, of cards. that's the thing. Like I think so many people will look at what you guys do and they're like, Oh, those guys are like mm-hmm. living up. They only need to go to a few races a year, but it's, no, it's, it's almost tough, made man. difficult because there's only a few races this year. It's obviously going to be made even yeah. more difficult this year. Um, and there's only a fo- like yeah. few spots on each team. Yeah, you know? and the fact that it's just, again, it's similar to yeah. that sort of Formula One thing. There's not, mm. it's not like so fixed like yeah. Formula One, like ten teams, two riders, uh, yeah. two racers. Um, but to kind of literally have all 
your sort of yeah. like next year's destiny in the hands of like what's essentially like I don't know twenty minutes of racing. I suppose. So yeah, so in much goes year. into probably it. not even actually. Well, yeah. nah. What are you talking like eight, eight races for? Yeah. Depends if you crashed all or. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like with Jack, like it's it goes back into so many things. Like it could just be like a it, like I think a lot of teams is a contract year this year, mm-hmm. which is going to be so hard to choose off yeah, a race sure. season that's barely possibly yeah, yeah. not even going to happen. Yeah, and you then, crash in world champs, and you're like. Yeah, just don't get a job. Right <laughs> yeah, retire. And then it's really hard. Yeah. I really like, like, definitely respect you guys for that, and like, because it must be. I don't think people appreciate like what the pressure is. Yeah, it's like literally everything. Just resting on those like seven or eight races in the year. Yeah, especially like, more. Yeah, it's like we we all. Would you guys? Yeah, is that it's sort of general consensus in yeah. the pros that? You'd like more races? Yeah, I don't know why it's not happening. Yeah. It seems like because like it is I'd a relatively do, small like, season. Schedule. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, we that's why I think a lot of people try to do crank works and mm. other ones because it's just like, dude, we're we're ready to go. Like, yeah, I'd happily race every weekend if I could. Yeah. You know, so yeah, because again, like, not to constantly make the parallels with Formula One, mm-hmm. but there's like tw- over twenty races. I think obviously this year everything's up in the air, but like you're mm-hmm. looking at like twenty races at least in a season. Yeah, um, which in some ways is like more work and more traveling, but it's less pressure essentially, I suppose. Yeah, because it for means sure. you can have the sort of you can have a bad weekend. Yeah, you know? and then you can't really afford one. one. Yeah, because yeah. what what is this? There are about eight races, like uh, in a normal yeah, season, pretty much. Yeah, eight yeah. eight World Cups and one World Champs or something. Yeah, cool. or sometimes seven. And then yeah, eight World Champs. Yeah, sweet. So enduro maybe for the future. It's not something you're against. I know some racers uh, are maybe like I completely against it. Definitely but. at the start, um, I was, I, it was looking pretty promising. But I don't know. It's um, the more I've kind of looked into it, I really not. I don't want to like sound like I'm down, putting them down. But like it doesn't seem like that kind of. I would prefer if enduro racing was more that kind of. I know they're trying to have like an overall series with like uphills and flats and like get the most out of mountain bike. Like it's a true test. I get that, but just a bit more fun, kind of like using the kind of more technical trails and like yeah. straight down. Not trying to go for those extra long, yeah, like yeah. kind of like up and down, up and down, yeah, or like yeah. steep climbs. It's like that doesn't really do it for me. So. Too much hard work, like <laughs> too much hard. <laughs> Nah, I don't Which I guess leads, leads me on quite well to my next thing I wanted to ask you was uh, it's something that, as you well know, that we've been enjoying quite a lot recently is uh, e-bikes. Yeah. I know you've got one as well. Yeah, um, we're going out later. Have, yeah, we're, we're going to go out just now. <laughs> I basically got Greg over here to... Uh, he tempted me with an e-bike It's like, ride. yeah, do you want to come for a big e-bike? I'll take you on a nice <laughs> loop that we've been doing. Oh yeah, you need to do this podcast first. But um, yeah, you, I think it's pretty obvious that you're pretty stoked on e-bikes like we are. Oh yeah. yeah. Unreal. Yeah, no, I I wasn't quite on the same level stoke as uh Max Reynolds and Reese Wilson though. Yeah. I was I did uh Cathar's Walk the Talk series oh, yeah, the yeah. other day. And they were um we had like a not a race kind of uh thing and uh they were just absolutely buzzing about e bikes yeah. and I was like not on the same level. I like I was honest, I, I, think I'm I love them, them but yeah. like they are like loving them. Yeah. I'm a little bit that with Danny, it's like I think it's just maybe personality because I just like, I'll just enjoy it and be like, yeah, this is rad. But yeah. he's just like, 
No, this That's is sick. Like, telling the old woman in the shop, like, how good are e-bikes are? And, like, I'm like, Danny, like, mum doesn't care, like, how good e-bikes are. Like, she doesn't, like, yeah. and just, like, tell, and then going on and telling people, like, like, for the first few like, weeks where he had one and I didn't, he was yeah. like, oh, you need to get an e-bike. I'm like, fair enough. I'm like, now I've got one. I'll have even, like, been on the ride with him. And he's like, e-bikes, man. They're like, I'm like, yeah, no, like, I, was, I was there. It's good. Like, Danny, it's okay. Santa Cruz aren't listening. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a difficult <laughs> with e-bikes because I think in some ways the consumers look at them or look at the pro riders and they think that mm-hmm. um, they're just trying to they're promo. just trying to like promo their sponsors and their sponsors are saying, "Oh, you got like e-bikes are a big focus for us. You got to do it," which is obviously probably does happen. Yeah, but the thing is, they are you really see fun. <laughs> red riders on them. They are actually genuinely stoked. Like I yeah. know Danny's the same. Where he was obviously asked to do a video for Santa Cruz for the for the the heckler e-bike they had coming out yeah um which i guess he's essentially paid for but that sort of stop well he's obviously still riding <laughs> yeah. them but he's literally like genuinely ro- loving riding it and like mm-hmm. it's hard to really argue with but yeah i guess it's probably never going to go away the sort of negativity towards so, e-bikes yeah. but i think they're definitely they're definitely they're here to definitely, stay. yeah <laughs> yeah i was about to say yeah for sure and they're only going to get better and better yeah. and they bigger motors and yeah like I, um <laughs> we definitely been struggling like been rode the e-bike like every day for like a month and then decided to go out on the normal bikes and it's like i literally thought i was like <laughs> someone had filled my tires up with cement like, absolutely insane. i know that's what that's my only reason to kind of not get too attached to them it's because yeah. it's just kind of have you done much like on e-bike to back to your mountain bike yeah yeah and it's horrible like you say yeah it's just it's just how it is i try what i've tried to do more is just put my e-bike in eco and not yeah, in yeah. boost yeah well the thing <laughs> is i'm more of a boost kind of guy i'm more of a boost when i put in when i put in eco i feel like i'm back on a normal bike exactly and then i'm like oh surely this thing must be like turned off but then it's not there's like another <laughs> but if one you just ride slower. it in that for a while then you do actually kind of get used to it but you ain't gonna do that yeah <laughs> just boost all the time just means you can only go out riding for like an hour and you have to come home i need a spare battery like you guys yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go riding just now. But um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much a good opportunity to tie things up. Mm-hmm. Greg can uh, come out in his e-bike. Um, yeah, boy. Same as I did promise we could go up. riding. But yeah, thanks for coming on. Is there any, what social media and stuff should folk just, hit you up? Uh, Instagram. Yep, at Greg Williamson 1. Uh, so, did someone already take Greg Williamson? Yeah. The, Nightmare. The Greg. How many followers do they have? Know, yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Cheers again. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And let's go ride. Cheers, boy. Cheers. Yeah. So there you have it. That was episode number one of the Drop In Podcast. A massive thanks to all you guys for tuning in. A big special thanks to Greg for coming and speaking with us at our little studio. Um, if you do enjoy this podcast and you want to hear some more please hit subscribe on your chosen podcast platform we'd love to hear some ratings for you i believe it'll do a massive difference to getting it out there a little bit especially at this initial stage but yeah thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time peace